Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 6. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. The book outlines really nicely into three sections. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 1 through 7 is written about Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 8 through 15 is written about Saul, who is the first king of Israel. And 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 31 is written about David. You want to write something down? Write down Samuel, Saul, and David. That's how the book breaks down. Remember I told you some time ago, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Chronicles is a running commentary on the history of the nation of Israel. 1st uh, and 2nd Samuel and 1st and 2nd Kings were originally a single composition or translation in the Hebrew writing, but with the completion of the Septuagint, these books were broken down in the way that we currently have them. I told you that 1 Samuel is a transition book from the time of the judges to the time of the kings and the prophets. This book moves us into a time of monarchy and prophetic ministry. Remember I told you that Samuel is the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. Let me give you a little bit of backdrop. I told you in time past that uh, 1 Samuel is during the time of the judges, as I mentioned, when every man is doing what was right in his own eyes. The spiritual condition and the political atmosphere was at an all-time low. It was a dark time in Israel, so dark that God was not speaking to Israel. The spiritual leaders were corrupt. God's people were disobeying his word and not listening to God. And since man wasn't listening to God, God didn't bother to speak. Look at chapter 3, verse 1 in 1 Samuel. The word of the Lord was rare, and there was no widespread revelation This lays the groundwork for Ichabod. Chapter 1, Hannah prayed for a son and promised to give him back to the Lord all the days of his life. Remember? And God heard her prayer. And God gave her a son. His name is who? Samuel. And Hannah gave Samuel back to the Lord after he was weaned. She took him and she dropped him off at the temple in Shiloh. In chapter 2, We have Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving. Come on, just peruse with me through these chapters. We have Hannah's prayer of thanksgiving to God. Hannah left little Sammy in the hands and the leadership of Eli, the high priest. Eli had two sons. Anybody know their names? Hophni and Phinehas. The Bible tells us that Hophni and Phinehas were corrupt. The word corrupt means wicked and worthless. Hophni and Phinehas were wicked and worthless because they did evil things in the temple of the Lord. 
Because even around this influence, the Bible tells us that Sammy grew up and he ministered to the Lord. Look at chapter 2, verse 26. Samuel grew in stature and favor with men and the Lord. This was a serious contrast to the wickedness of Eli's son in chapter 3. Samuel is ministering in the tabernacle and God calls Samuel three times. Samuel thought Eli was calling him. Look at chapter 3, verse 9. Are y'all paying attention? Y'all coming with me? Chapter 3, verse 9. Eli said, the next time you hear the voice say, say what, saints? Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. And sure enough, Samuel goes and he lays down and he hears Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said in chapter 3, verse 10, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. God said, Samuel, I'm going to do something In verse 11 of chapter 3, I'm going to do something that's going to make the ears of Israel tingle. And that meant that God was going to bring severe and catastrophic judgment on the nation of Israel. Chapter 4 is a great chapter of loss. Uh, Israel lost 4,000 men. Look at verse 2 of chapter 4. Israel lost 4,000 men in battle to the Philistines. And then the ark of God was captured by the Philistines. Hophni and Phinehas are dead. 30,000 foot soldiers are dead. Eli the high priest is dead. Phinehas' wife hears that her father-in-law Eli and her husband Hophni are dead and she dies on the birthing table. Before she actually dies, she names a child. Anybody know? Ichabod. Ichabod means, write it down, the glory of the Lord has departed. Ichabod. That's not a good name for your son. Ichabod. And the reason the glory of the Lord had departed because the ark of God, which represents the glory of the Lord, had been captured. Last time in chapter 5, the ark of the covenant is in the possession of the Philistines and they take it from Ebenezer to Ashdod. Look at chapter 5. The Philistines are feeling a sense of great victory because when you capture the people, in their minds, it was a battle of the gods. So when the Philistines captured the ark and defeated the people, it was a victory for their god, Dagon, over Jehovah. But they're going to understand really quickly that although they have defeated the children of Israel, they've not defeated the god of Israel. The only reason they got the victory was because God was using the Philistines as a chastening mechanism for Israel's sin. So they captured the ark of God, but not the God of the ark. And they bring the ark of God into the temple of Dagon. You know the story. And they set the ark right in front or below Dagon. And they set up, they get up the next morning, they go to the temple only to find that Dagon had fallen and he couldn't get up. And they pick up and prop up their God. And sure enough, the next morning they come to worship. This time they find their God had been behanded and beheaded and had fallen forward at the feet of God. Why? Because the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, every knee shall bow. Come on, say it with me. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord, even Dagon. Well, chapter 5 and verse 6, look there, tells us the hand of the Lord. Look at verse 6, tells us the hand of the Lord was heavy and angry on the people of Ashdod, and God ravaged them and struck them with tumors. And we talked about this, unfortunately. Uh, We're not sure, uh, was it hemorrhoids or bubonic plague 
uh, rats, whatever. The Bible tells us that this, uh, these tumors were in the hinder parts. Uh, we know they hurt. Uh, fi- Amen. Uh, fi- but finally, they buy a clue, and they're thinking, ever since the ark came to Ashdod, strange things are happening. People have been sick. Dagon can't stand up. The people can't sit down. There's been... I'm sorry, it's not in my notes. I just kind of slid that one in there. <laughs> and there's been an increase in toilet tissue sales. And people are breaking out in tumors in their private parts. And they decided to send it to their friends in Gath. <laughs> the Bible is hilarious. Same thing happened in Gath. Hemorrhoids, tumors, pain in the private parts. The people of Gath said, let's send it to our friends in Ekron. The ark is a proverbial hot potato burning everyone it touches. The Ekronites are yelling. They have set the ark, sent the ark of God here to kill us. The Ekronites said, let's send it anywhere but here. Look at chapter 5, verse 10. Let's send it anywhere but here. Well, tonight we pick up in chapter 6, and here in chapter 6, the Philistines have had enough. They decide to send the ark of God back to Israel. I've titled this sermon, God or Chance? God or Chance? First uh, Samuel chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. amen. Now the ark of the Lord was in the country of the Philistines seven months. And the Philistines called for the priest and the diviners, saying, What shall we do with the ark of the Lord? Tell us how we should send it to its place. And so they said, If you send away the ark of God of Israel, do not send it empty, but by all means return it to him with a trespass offering. And then you will be healed. And it will be known to you why his hand is not removed from you. And then they said, What is the trespass offering which we shall return to him? And they answered, Five golden tumors and five golden rats, according to the number of the lords of the Philistines. For the same plague was on all of you and on your lords. Therefore you shall make images of your tumors and images of your rats that ravage the land, and you shall give glory to the God of Israel. Perhaps, maybe, He will lighten his hand from you, from your gods, and from your land. Why then do you harden your hearts, they said, as the Egyptians uh, and Pharaoh hardened their hearts when he did mighty things among them? Did they not let the people go that they might depart? Let's stop right there. Give me your attention. The Ark of the Covenant was in the country of the Philistines, according to the Bible, for How many months? Seven months. Because they were reluctant to give up this wonderful trophy, they decided to move the ark of God out of the city into the country. Later, they decided it's time to get rid of this problem. Finally, they decide to send send the ark back to Israel. But they don't know how to do that. So they consult evil people. They ask their diviners, sorcerers, priests, what they should do. Interesting. Did you get this? The evil priests know what to do. And they said, send it away, but don't send it away without a gift. Send a trespass offering. That's fascinating to me. 
That's interesting because the trespass offering was saying we are guilty before God and we've sinned before God. Look at verse 4. They said, what should be the offering? What should we send? They said, send five golden tumors and five golden rats. Now listen, I have seen some ugly jewelry in my, in my years. But God is my living witness. This is the ugliest bling bling I have seen in the history of mankind. This is horrible. Note, sending the trespass offering, as I said, is saying that we know that we've offended the Lord God Jehovah. So they're recognizing it was the Lord who brought the plague on them. They're saying we know this was not an accident. We apologize to the Lord and we're asking him to turn away his anger. Now, just as a side note, if you were here like four, five weeks ago, whatever it was, when we were in this chapter five, I told you that there was a lot of debate among scholars as to uh, what um, exactly was the plague and it, where did it come from? And was it rats like uh, spread like the bubonic plague or was it just the tumors? Were they just hemorrhoids? A whole lot of discussion among scholars as to uh, what exactly that was. But the making of the five tumors, listen, and the five rats, this is the reason that many believe that the plague on the Philistines was more like a bubonic plague that would be carried by the infestation of rats. So this is why many of the scholars believe that it might have been the bubonic plague versus just hemorrhoids and tumors. Uh, Be that as it may, look at verse 6. When they do... When, when then do you harden, look at verse 6, when then do you harden your hearts as the Egyptians and Pharaoh? Interesting, another very fascinating, interesting thing. The story of Israel leaving Egypt is 500 years old. And the Philistines, these pagan, idolatrous Philistines, they know the story well enough that they rightly apply it to their situation. They say, listen, it's not smart to harden your heart against the Lord. We don't want to go down that same road or things will get worse. At the same time, they're questioning, is all this really from God or is it by chance? So they decided to do a test to be 100% sure that it was God. I mean, after all, let's just face it. We don't want to repent unnecessarily. (laughs) So look at verse, so look at verse 7. Now, therefore, look at verse 7. Look at verse 7, say amen. Amen. Now, therefore, make a new cart. They're putting God to a test now, all right? They're devising a test, so stay with me right here. Now, therefore, make a new cart. Take two milk cows, which have never been yoked, and hitch the cows to the cart, and take their calves home away from them. And then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart and put the articles of gold which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in the chest by its side and then send it away and let it go and watch if it goes up the road to its own territory to Bet or Beit Shemesh. I'm going to tell you about that place in a minute. Beit Shemesh. Then he has done us this great evil. But if not, we shall know that it is not the hand that struck us and that all of this happened to us by chance. Notice they said, give me your attention. They said, let's make a new cart and take two cows, which have never been yoked, hitch them together and take their babies 
away from them. And then put the ark of the Lord on the cart and put the gift box on the side and send the cows in the cart away and watch the cows. If they go toward their own territory to Beth Shemesh, then we'll know that this really was God that brought the judgment. But if not, then we'll know that it was something that just happened by chance. Now, this area of Beth Shemesh I want to tell you about because it is a uh, very important area uh, biblically. Uh, there's a lot of biblical history in this area. When we go to Israel, we will stop at Beth Shemesh. Uh, we have uh, many times, and we will uh, this time. Beth Shemesh, if you're taking notes, uh, means um, the Valley of the Sun. The Valley of the Sun. It is a beautiful place. Uh, it's a lot of sun there. Matter of fact, I was just thinking today, I've never been there when it was cloudy. It's like always a lot of sun there. It means the valley of the sun. And they don't pronounce it Beth like it's written here. They pronounce it Bet, Bet, Bet Shemesh, Bet Shemesh. And Bet Shemesh means the valley of the sun. Samson was born in this area. From Bet Shemesh, you can see the valley of Sorek, where Delilah lived, Judges chapter 16. Samson had his parents arrange a marriage in this area, Judges 14. Samson tore a lion to pieces in this area. Uh, Samson ate honey from a carcass of a lion in Beit Shemesh. Uh, lots of things happened in this area. Very historical site. We'll stop there. But also, most importantly, I think, is Beit Shemesh was uh, a city of the Levites. Joshua chapter 15 tells us it was given to the tribe of Judah. Joshua 21 tells us that Beit Shemesh was set apart or set aside for the priests, the tribe of Levi, and the lineage of, Co of Cohen. Uh, here in 1 Samuel 6, it's the first city that the Ark of the Covenant stopped at on its way back from Philistine captivity. So the Philistines devised this test to watch the direction of the cows. Will they go to their own territory or to the area of Beit Shemesh? Whatever the direction the cows went, then we will know whether it was God or was this something that just happened by chance. Now listen, unfortunately, let me have your attention, please. Unfortunately, there are many people who believe in chance. Unfortunately, uh, we've heard some people say, well, I believe the world was created by chance. I'm amazed because otherwise intelligent people fall into delusion and say things and believe things that are crazy. I was thinking of a nicer, better way to say that, and that's just about the best I can do. It's just crazy. For example, believing in chance is crazy. Why? Thank you, Miss Betty. Amen. It's great. Why? Because chance, listen, has no power. I'm going somewhere. Chance has no power. Webster's Dictionary, chance. A possibility of something happening. Chance has no power. For example, when you flip a coin and you call heads or tails, you have a 50% chance, although chance does not make it land heads or tails. Whether it lands heads or tails has to do with several things, air, current, 
air pressure as it flies through the air, how many times it flips. All of this is chance. Chance doesn't do anything other than describe a probability. Therefore, when somebody says that the world was created by chance, with all due respect, that's an ignorant, superstitious statement, something they've heard and accepted and are parroting. Truth is, chance makes nothing happen. We live in a cause and effect world. Chance is not a cause. Jesus is a cause. Because of him, I'm going to wait while you clap your hands. Because of Jesus, the Bible says, the worlds were framed. And the worlds were created by the word of his power. Chance has no power. Not only that, but let's go one step Further, the believer, we don't live by chance. We don't believe in chance. Where are my people at? Some of y'all didn't hear me. We don't, we don't live by chance. Where are my people at? That looks a lot better. We believe in the sovereign hand of God involved in our day-to-day activity. Am I right about it? I'm going to read you something. Listen, me. God, can I ask you a question? God, sure. Me. Promise you won't get mad? God, I promise. Me. Why did you let so much stuff happen to me today? God, what do you mean? Me. Well, I woke up late. God, yes. My car took forever to start. Okay. At lunch, they made my sandwich wrong and I had to wait? Hmm. On the way home, my phone went dead just as I picked up a call. All right. And on top of it all, when I got home, I just wanted to soak my feet in my new foot massager and relax, but it wouldn't work. Nothing went right for me today. Why did you do that? God, let me see. The death angel was at your bed this morning, and I had to send another angel to battle him for your life. I let you sleep through that. (laughs) Me. (laughs) me humbled oh god i didn't let your car start because there was a drunk driver on your route that would have hit you if you were on the road me ashamed god the first person who made your sandwich today was sick and i didn't want you to catch what they had i knew you couldn't afford to miss work me embarrassed okay god Your phone went dead because the person that was calling was going to gossip, and I didn't want you to be guilty of that sin. Me, softly, I see. God. Oh, and that foot massager? It had a shortage that was going to throw all the power. (laughs) Can I finish? (laughs) The shortage... I was going to throw all the power out in your house that night, and I didn't think you wanted to be in the dark. Me. I'm sorry, God. God. Don't be sorry. Just learn to trust me in all things, the good and the bad. Me. I'll wait. Me. I will trust you. God. And don't doubt that my plan for your day is always better than your plan. Me. I won't, God. And let me just tell you, God, thank you for everything today. God, you're welcome. It was just another day being God, and I love taking care of my children. 
Nothing happens by chance. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. Will you do that? Nothing happens by chance. Now listen, back to our text. Listen, let me tell you something. You've got to hear this before we move on. This test is stacked against God. Why? Because by nature, two milk cows that have never been yoked should not pull a cart at all. And then they take their babies away, which the natural instinct of mommy is to go in the direction of their babies. So listen, the Philistines are putting together a test and forcing God to do a miracle in order to prove that he was the cause of the plagues. That being said, come with me to verse 10. Then the men did so. They took two milk cows and hitched them to the cart and they shut up their calves at home. And they set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of the tumors. And then the cows headed straight for the road to Beth Shemesh. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.